0: Hello and welcome to this Read All About It Extra podcast, which is celebrating St Patrick's Day. On this episode, I'll be talking about some of my favourite books by Irish writers, or books set in Ireland. People have also been getting in touch with their own favourites, and I'll go through some of them. Or you can also find out what my son Andrew is not reading this week on St Patrick's Day. And we'll finish off the podcast with a poem and a song, so don't say I'm not good to you. Now, having successfully applied for Irish citizenship through my limerick-born grandfather, and now the proud owner of an Irish passport. First of all, I'm looking forward to continuing travelling freely through 27 countries in Europe. But I also thought it only right that I put out a special St Patrick's Day podcast with some book recommendations for you all. First up, we've got John Lingard's Kevin and Sadie series of books, which is set in 1970s Belfast, and involving the relationship between the two main characters from opposite sides of the religious divide in the city. There are five books in the series – The Twelfth Day of July, Across the Barricades, Into Exile, A Proper Place, and Hostages to Fortune, which are aimed at young adults. The stories of teenage romance set against a difficult backdrop is told so brilliantly and realistically that I think the books can still be enjoyed many years later as an adult. And indeed the series has sold upwards of 1.5 million copies over the year. And Joan Lingard was actually born in Edinburgh. But she grew up in Belfast and tells this story of, of the relationship between Kevin and Sadie so well. And here's a short extract from the second book in the
1: series, Across the Barricades. It was Wednesday. He went out every Wednesday. He met Sadie at Mr Blake's. They arrived and left at different times and sat in the kitchen at the back of the house. He spent Saturdays with Sadie too. They met outside the city somewhere, usually in the country, well away from the people. Sadie bought food and drink, and many days they saw no one else at all. They waited in streams, climbed trees, lay in meadows in the sun, listening to the continuous chorus of the birds. Long summer days, at the end of which he returned home flushed with air and contented. He knew that Braid suspected he was meeting Sadie again, though they had never mentioned it. Sometimes she would put her hand on his arm and say, take care, but that was all. She's a fine sister to have, he said to Sadie that evening. I hope she gets a good man. She'll marry in a year or two if fancy, and have lots of kids, just like your mother. I hope it won't be just the same. My mother's had too much work and not enough living. Well, there's one thing for sure, said Sadie. I'm not going to end up like my mother. Kevin laughed. I think you're safe on that one. She found me a job. You'll never guess, Sadie rolled her eyes, working at the cash desk at the local butchers. Can you imagine me sitting cooked up in one of those wee boxes all day, taking the money for lumps of meat? What are you going to do about it? I've done it. I went along for an interview and I told the butcher that the sight of blood always makes me vomit. He said that under the circumstances, it might not be wise for me to take the job. I said that unfortunately, I was forced to agree. Kevin ruffled her hair. It takes a lot to put you down, doesn't it, Sadie Jackson? That's what my mother says too. They were laughing when Mr. Blake came into the kitchen with Jack. They had been for a walk and were both thirsty. Sadie got up to put on the kettle and Kevin filled the dog's dish with fresh water. It's nice to hear the two of you laughing, said Mr Blake, hanging up the lead on the back of the door. Whatever happens, we mustn't forget how to laugh.
0: I don't think it would be possible to do a St Patrick's Day podcast without reference to Roddy Doyle, who has written so many brilliant books over the years. I know many of you will cherish his Barrytown trilogy of The Commitments, The Snapper and The Van, while well, there are also other powerful books such as The Woman Who Walked Into Doors and A Star Called Henry, to name just two. I'm going to recommend two other Roddy Doll books which are particular favourites of mine. The first of those is A Greyhound of a Girl. Now I first read this book about six years ago and it was at the time when I was actually writing a book called Read All About It which charted my year of trying to read more books and fall in love with literature again. And I read this book in the March of that year and this is an extract from the Read All About It book of what I thought of A Greyhound of a Girl. The news that Roddy Doyle, another of my favourite authors, has been nominated for the Carnegie Medal, a prestigious award for children's fiction, provokes my interest. The book nominated is A Greyhound of a Girl, and I immediately buy it. I know he's written a few kids' books before, but A Greyhound of a Girl appears to be aimed at the young adult market. It is impossible to fully describe just how beautiful this story is. There are four main female characters in the book, a daughter, mother, grandmother and a ghost, which is an exquisite tale and a celebration of Irish family and femininity, though I'm sure it would translate to any country or culture. I'm in a quandary when I finish it. On the one hand, I want to give it to everyone I know since it's such a wonderful book, but at the same time, I'm loath to let my copy out of my sight. At the moment, it remains in my possession, but I know I should share it. I will, probably. And I have to say, I do have that copy still in my possession, although I did, I did loan it out once or twice, but just made sure that I got it back. So I I, see, I can't speak highly enough of A Greyhound of a Girl. It's just absolutely beautiful. My absolute favourite Roddy Doyle book, however, is Paddy Clark, Ha Ha Ha, which won the Booker Prize in 1993. The novel's set in the Barrytown area of North Dublin in the late 1960s and captures that area just at a time when it, it was caught in the midst of its transformation from almost country town to part of a, a modern urban sprawl. And it also brilliantly captures Paddy Clark's inexorable journey towards adolescence and leaving behind Innocence of Childhood. It's funny, poignant, beautifully observed, and the ending, when you discover the meaning behind the title, is just absolutely stunning. And that would always be, if I had to recommend just one Roddy Dole book, which is difficult in itself, it would be Paddy Clark. Ha ha ha. As some of you might have noticed, uh, last week I put out an appeal on Twitter to listeners of the podcast, and indeed anyone who's following me on Twitter, to give me their favourite Irish books and favourite Irish writers. So thanks to everyone who got back in touch. And among the books that were suggested to me were Eureka Street by Robert McLean Wilson, and that was uh, from at Rodney Farmer on Twitter. Um, this book, which I, again is, is one of the many books that's lying in my bookshelves waiting to be read, I think it was published back in 1996 and it focuses on the lives of two Belfast friends one Catholic, one Protestant shortly before and after the IRA ceasefire in 1994 um, obviously a book came to adults we were talking earlier on about the Kevin and Sadie series of books by John Lingard which was obviously Kevin from the Catholic nationalist side of Belfast and Sadie from the, the Protestant uh, unionist loyalist side of Belfast so that was Eureka Street uh, Chris Cole recommended Column to Bean so, so many of his to choose from but Chris said that if he was pushed he would say The Master uh, Chris, for me, my favourite Column to Bean book is The Testament of Mary a really short book it was nominated for the Booker Prize I think 2014 or 15 and it's a kind of telling of a lady after the, the crucifixion and the resurrection and, and she's away in a, basically a safe house and some of the apostles are coming to see her and it's you know, basically telling the story of a a grieving mother. And it's an absolutely stunning book by an absolutely brilliant writer. Another novel uh, that was suggested to me was from At KDS Virgil, who suggested The Third Policeman by Flan O'Brien. It's a novel set in rural Ireland, and he says it would only make sense set where it was. Um, It's not a book I read, but when I asked Mr Google about it, Flan O'Brien is actually the pseudonym of an Irish writer called Brian O'Nolan. Now, the book apparently was written between 1939 and 1940, but Brian O'Nolan wasn't able to find a publisher and then withdrew the manuscript from circulation and claimed that he'd actually lost it. And it wasn't published up to the time of his death in 1966, but a year later it was published. And in some respects, when I was reading that, it reminded me of A Confederacy of Dunces, which uh, is a book by John Kennedy Toole. And if you haven't read that book, you really have to, because it is... stunning outstanding book and it's the same thing of a John Kerry Toole was a a writer who just couldn't get that book published and sadly took his own life and it was his mum who then took the manuscript up and she eventually found a publisher for it and it has become a worldwide hit continues to be and, and you know I can't recommend that book highly enough as well. Helen McKinvin who's a writer who I hope to get on the podcast at some point in the future she gave a few recommendations the legend is Roddy Doyle and says any of his books and I don't think anybody can disagree with that. Also one of Helen's all-time favourite novels is The Butcher Boy by Patrick McCabe. She's also a big fan of Paul McVeigh, John Boyne, Sebastian Barry, Lisa McInerney, and Enright and indeed Helen says too many others to fit in a tweet. Stephen Carberry tweeted that his favourite book was Boston Boy by Brendan Behan. and Stephen, if you haven't, Listen to Hugh MacDonald, the journalist, his podcast. That was one of uh, his important books in his formative years and he speaks very well about that if you want to go back and have a listen to that. Paul John Dykes, who is one of the guys behind the, the absolutely brilliant A Celtic State of Mind podcast, which if you haven't listened to, you should check that out. I'm not just saying that because I was one of the guests one time, but they, they do brilliant work and Paul has suggested three authors, Oscar Wilde, Bram Stoker and James Joyce. Maureen Fairgreave recommended and suggested The Playboy of the Western World, which is actually a play by the Irish playwright John Millington Singe, and it was set in County Mayo during the early 1900s. Brian Hegeli suggested anything by Brian Moore, and he says he's currently rereading The Temptation of Eileen Hughes. And also said last year he enjoyed Becoming bell by Nuala O'Connor. And such is the way of social media is that, that Brian tagged Nuala, who obviously thanked him, and then listed some other contemporary Irish writers, such as Leah Mills, Mia Gallagher, Junaid Gleason, June Caldwell, and Jan Carson, among others, as ones to check out. Sarah Smith, again, gave me uh, a list of a few writers, favourite Irish writers. Roddy Doyle and Marion Keyes, who are both mentioned in the course of this podcast. Joseph O'Connor, Wendy Erskine, William Trevor, Seamus Heaney, who also gets a name check towards the end of this podcast. William Trevor, again, although Sarah emphasises that that's a mistake and not a double vote for William Trevor, although he is damn good, she says. Lawrence Connolly, again, another list of, of various... Irish writers Brendan Behan, who we heard about already, Patrick Kavanagh, James Joyce, Roddy Doyle, Patrick McCabe, and uh, Sean O'Casey, and also uh, a couple of people Martin Gregg, who was a recent guest on the podcast, recommended McCarthy's Bar by Pete McCarthy. Uh, as did a friend of mine, David McLaughlin, who has rediscovered his love of reading since uh, starting to listen to this podcast. So both of them mentioned McCarthy's Bar by Pete McCarthy. So plenty of of recommendations for you there and certainly a few recommendations for me as well. So thanks for everybody who got in touch. (laughs) Well that music as you're probably aware and recognise Is the introduction to the regular Read all about it extra feature What Andrew's not reading this week When I get my son Andrew To pick a book off my shelves And that's the starting point to our chat So Andrew over to you This week on St Patrick's Day What book are you not reading This week on St Patrick's Day I'm not reading Milkman by Anna Burns I was going to say a good choice again a, A really good choice Now, people might be thinking, what a coincidence that you chose a book by an Irish writer and a book set in Belfast. We cheated slightly because what I did is I just picked out all the the Irish books by Irish writers or set in Ireland from my bookshelves and narrowed down the choice. And this is the one you chose. Now, I have more books uh, than I've read. And this is a book that's on my list of books to be read. It won the Booker Prize a couple of years ago. By all accounts, it's a brilliant book, but it's it's one of the books that I'm, I'm still to read. I actually got it quite often. I go down, you know, the wee Oxfam shop down in the yeah. centre of Bishop Briggs. So I quite like popping in there, and you can usually pick up some bargains. So I got this book uh, down at the Oxfam shop. And the only thing I see sometimes when I'm looking at the shelves, and I'll see loads of books that I recognise and I think I've got, and always in the back of my mind, I think... I wonder if your mum, when I'm at work, has been <laughs> filling up boxes of my books, putting them down to Oxfam, and then I'm, and I'm having to buy them again. I've not asked her that yet, but uh, I'm <laughs> Since we last uh, had a chat on the podcast and the, the bombshell that was The First Dates on Datable's <laughs> Revelation, what, what else are you going to surprise us? by telling us you've been watching?
2: Uh, I only started watching it a couple of nights ago on Netflix. I'm called I Am Not Okay With This. So a, a lassie who's just a bit awkward and has like anxiety around people and everything and turns out she's got these superpowers she can do with her mind. So far so good. I mean how do you stumble upon these things? Is it has somebody told you about it or is it just No, it just comes up things that are new this week are popular on Netflix. Right. Just judge it by the picture that comes up on it. Right.
0: <laughs> that's is good. Well, to be fair, that's a bit like you know, people go into a bookshop and judge a book by its right. cover. That's how I usually do it on, finding movies and everything. Because I wonder, you know, so for example on Amazon, if I bought or had a look at certain books and they'll always recommend, you know, if you like that, you might uh, like this. Do uh, Netflix do that as well? I, I do that.
2: It'll come up like a, because you watched, like if you watched something related to like superpowers, it'll come up like superhero movies and everything. Right.
0: There's a quite a few episodes in the season. Uh, I think
2: it's only maybe nine or ten episodes in the season, but... So it's something new to watch.
0: You're not really... You're not a big fan of all the,
2: the Marvel comic-type films, are nah. you? Yeah. No, this isn't anything like that. This is a bit... Not realistic, but it's not, like, unbelievably far-fetched with, like, people flying and everything.
0: Because there was i I'm sure it's a film... It might be called Super 8, I'm not sure. Or I'm just mistaking it for a... There's a chain of motels in America which we, we used to stay in we used to go over and visit your sister called Super 8s. <laughs> but there's there's a see a, a film... And I think it's like a couple of misfits. It's like an older guy and a younger girl, and they both, they neither have superpowers, but they're kind of deluded into thinking they're superheroes. It's kind of funny and dark and tragic. Right. If it's not that, I'll find out for you because I think you would enjoy right. it because it's quite kind of dark humour. I think you would, you would quite it okay. f- quite funny. I are you it. still watching First Dates and Undatables, or have you completely uh, exhausted every box set? I've run out of episodes to watch. And, <laughs> and uh, is your Netflix recommending more of the same or similar type of things because I, I'm i sure I heard you and your sister talking about something else that was, was it Love oh, is Blind? Uh,
2: Love is Blind, I uh, yeah, I got a few episodes into that but the people are just bonkers. It's a bit ridiculous. Like Rebe- I think Rebecca's quite into it. I think she's watched maybe the full thing but uh,
0: they just become irritating quite easily. Right, because it was actually, we were all out, it was a family party for your aunt's 50th birthday the only reason I'm bringing that up is because I just have to tell everybody that we went back to the, their house and the party went on all night and me and your mum were the last to leave about quarter past six in the morning and you and both your sisters have long since <laughs> wimped out, so the youth of today my, my, was very poor.
2: My excuse is it was the first time I drank in a month, so... And to be fair, you stayed in the kitchen, you were
0: battering the gym as well. I uh, like yeah, that as well. So obviously it's St Patrick's Day, where do you stand on, on Guinness? You you fan? Never tried it. Never? No. Nah, never tried it. Maybe you should go out tonight on St Patrick's Day and just have a have a pint. I think he's going out for a pint. <laughs> <laughs> Although yeah, working. Up early tomorrow. I, I quite like it. I don't drink it a lot here but anytime we've been over in Dublin. Always, it's almost as if everybody who's there, regardless of where they've come in the world, it's that like you have to drink it in a school on an
2: island. up, I'll drink it but never tried it.
0: The other thing, whenever I when I'm passing your room, I always notice a lot of times you're on your game console. What is it? you I, I always find it strange <laughs> that you're in one house, your pals the other side of the city, but yet you're you're sitting talking away and swearing and whatever. Because <laughs> it's like it's some sort of army. Type. I don't know what game it is. Because obviously I'm after Subutu it <laughs> became obsolete. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> interested. Uh,
2: I the division two. It's just. The threes can play online all in the same game, talk at the same time. So that's what yeah, it's, like, it's called, Division Two. Aye,
0: aye. Do you play? Just don't play FIFA
2: much. Nah, no? not really. FIFA's more of a game to play against someday, but none of my
0: pals really play it. And similar to the last time we had a chat, I just want to keep having a wee let me stroke audiobook update. Whether you're any further forward, still no further forward, no. Nah. <laughs> it's poor Because you, you do realise If Lemmy ends up listening to this podcast <laughs> He'll be very disappointed in you I'll get there eventually Because just Just even even finish that one And then you can You can give us Once you finish it Then we'll get you back on And you can tell us The definitive Whether yeah, it's any good or not I'll do that
2: I'll put it on while I'm working tomorrow Excellent Well you do realise When you get home I'm going to check I know <laughs> And then
0: next podcast I'll tell people Whether you're at it <laughs> Good chat, as always, son. Always a pleasure. And uh, no doubt we'll meet again soon and <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get a, a me update. And in the meantime, go and try a prank again. <laughs> well done. Good man. A writer who I really admire, though I've actually only read one of her books so far, is Marion Keyes. I've listened to a few of her interviews and she's always so engaging, positive, enthusiastic about her writing that you can't help but immediately want her. Now, I was aware of her popularity, so I thought I'd check out her books for myself. And the one that I chose to read was Last Chance Saloon. But before I talk about that, here's Alison McConnell, a previous Read All About It podcast guest and why she's a fan of Marion Keys. I love the
3: sense of anticipation and just of the removal of it that you can become absorbed in someone else's story to the point where your own becomes on hold for a wee while and I think that's it's such a gift Marianne Keyes, funnily enough another writer that I would say um, Marianne Keyes who would probably go down as Chicklet again which would be quite unfairly seen as a real snobby element to it. Marianne Keyes is like that I find her a really, really strong writer a good writer, very funny Which again, as you know yourself, being funny on paper is a tremendously difficult thing to do. Uh, I love her books. It's another author that I would say, if I know she has a book coming out, I'll make a point of pre ordering it or getting it when it comes out. And I love that too, knowing there's a new book coming out. And and
0: you're almost guaranteed quality.
3: Absolutely. Or you know you're going to enjoy it. You know, it's almost like coffee with, with one of your old pals, isn't it? Like, you know. You're going to enjoy it, you're going to go and, and just be absorbed in something else.
0: Now, I have to admit that Last Chance Saloon was not my usual reading choice, but I did actually enjoy the story of the three main characters, Tara, Catherine and Finton, who are three friends who've been living in London for 10 years. And in the book, they're all now in their 30s and taking stock of their lives and where they want those lives to go. It was good reading and good fun too, and I will definitely be checking out Grown Ups, which is Marian Key's latest novel, though I'm always a sucker for a title that sings, so I think I might need to read This Charming Man, if only because it's also the title of one of my favourite songs, By The Smiths. <laughs> Another novel I want to recommend is the aptly named Island A Novel by Frank Delaney, which is absolutely captivating. It begins in 1951 when an itinerant storyteller, the last of a fabled breed, arrived unannounced and mysterious at a house in the Irish countryside. Here's the opening to
1: the novel. Wonderfully, it was the boy who saw him first. He glanced out of his bedroom window, then looked again and harder, and dared to hope. No, it was not a trick of the light, a tall figure in a ragged black coat and a round old hat was walking down the darkening hillside, and he was heading towards the house. The stranger's face was chalk white with exhaustion, and he stumbled on the rough ground. His hands held out before him like a sleepwalker's. He looked like a scarecrow deserting his post. High grasses soaked his cracked boots and drenched his coat hem. A mist like a silver veil floated above the ground, broke at his knees and reassembled itself in his wake. In this twilight fog, mysterious shapes appeared and dematerialized, so that Peel Walker was never sure he had seen merely the branches of trees or the arms of mythic dancers come to greet him. Closer in, the dark shadows of the tree trunks twisted into harsh and threatening faces. Across the fields, he saw the yellow glow of lamplight in the window of a house, and he raised his eyes to the sky in some kind of thanks. With no fog on high, the early stars glinted like grains of salt. He became aware of the cattle nearby, not yet taken indoors in this mild winter. Many lay curled on the grass where they chewed the cud. As he passed, one or two lurched their feet in alarm and lumbered off. And in the house ahead, the boy, nine years old and blond as hay, raced downstairs calling wildly to his father. The stranger's bones hurt and his lungs ached almost beyond endurance. Hunger intensified his troubles. He'd eaten one meal in three days. The calm light in the window ahead pulled him forward in hope. If he held their attention, he might get bad and bored for a week, maybe more. In the days of High King Atara, a storyteller stayed seven days and seven nights. Did they know that? Nobody knew anything anymore. With luck though, the child in his house would help. Children want stories and the parents might stress their hospitality, fired by the light in the boy's eyes. Unlike last night's billet, high up on a hill farm, He had slept in a loft above the cows, where the east wind gathered his bones. The ignorant people there, who had no use for stories, gave him no food and closed their fireside to him. It happened more and more. But this house would surely prove better. And it was, after all, Halloween, the great time of the year for telling stories. The time of all souls, when the dead have permission to rise from their graves and prowl the land.
0: In the novel, one of the listeners, a nine-year-old boy, he grows so entranced with the storytelling that when the old man leaves, he devotes his life to finding him again. I really love this book. It is a novel about many things, not least of which, I suppose, given the clue in the title, is Ireland itself, its past, and its connections to the present and the future. I've read the book a couple of times and I cannot recommend it highly enough. <laughs> In terms of non fiction books, there are three that I'm going to honourably mention. Journalist Teddy Jameson's memoir, Whose Side Are You On? Sport, The Troubles in Me. It's his story of growing up in the north of Ireland in the 1970s and 80s, with a passion for sport but in a setting where identity and division are part and parcel of daily life. Now, Teddy Jameson is a really, really good writer, um, so not surprisingly, This is a really brilliant book, great read, and for anybody who's interested in sport or even the politics of Ireland, I would certainly recommend that. Another book that I would recommend is The Priest Hunters by Colin C. Murphy, which tells the story of Ireland's bounty hunters in the aftermath of Cromwell's invasion of Ireland in the mid-17th century. Now, using original documentation, much of it written by the priest hunters and their prey, the book describes the lives of priests who continued to minister illegally to their flocks in Ireland and it shines a light on the men who hunted them and it's men like Sean the Saget, an Irishman who was condemned to death for horse stealing but he was reprieved on condition, he became a priest hunter. Or Edward Tyrell, who was a mercenary driven by greed and John García, who fled the Spanish Inquisition, arrived in Ireland and then sought revenge and fortune by hunting down priests. It is absolutely brilliant book, so meticulously researched. And uh, again, it's, it's another book that I would absolutely recommend to you. I'm also going to mention Maggie O'Farrell's book, I Am, I Am, I Am, 17 Brushes With Death. Now, Maggie O'Farrell was born in Ireland, but grew up in Wales and Scotland and now lives in Edinburgh. So I'm sure she's equally claimed by both of those countries. Obviously, as Irish born, it's also as much to mention her memoir that I wanted to include her in this list, since it is one of the best books I've ever read. It does indeed tell of Maggie's 17 brushes with death. And once you've read the first story, which is called Neck, not only will it unsettle you and stay with you for a long time, you will not put the book down until you've finished it. Well, that's just about it for this special Read All About It Extra, St. Patrick's Day edition. Now, remember to subscribe to the Read All About It podcast. We are on Acast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Pocket Casts and Podbeam. And you can also listen to all the episodes that have already been out on a YouTube channel I've got. You can just search for Paul Cuddyhee. Read all about it on Google And then you'll find it there and Remember uh, Subscribe Review Spread the word and, and let everybody know About the podcast And if you want to find out What books have been chosen On each of the podcast episodes With the specific guests You can go to my website www.paulcuddehy.com we each guest has their own page And their book choices Are all listed there Again, if you want to get in touch with me, I'm on email, it's it at com. You can get in touch with me at Twitter, that's at readallabout20. I'm still waiting for my first letter, as is the postman who's desperate to show that uh, he knows where everybody stays in Bishop Briggs. So if you want to send me a letter, you can send it to Paul Cuddehy the Read All About It podcast guy, Bishop Briggs, Glasgow. Now, as I promised at the start of the podcast, I'm going to finish with a poem and a song. The song is actually another from the legendary Bookends. It's called The Marching Song, uh, which again comes courtesy of music from me and lyrics from Robert Louis Stevenson, who of course isn't Irish. But the the music, the feel of the music, I hope, uh, it gives you that sense of it being a bit of Irish folky music. Before then, however, here's a poem from the genius that is Seamus Heaney and it's a poem that was voted in the last couple of years as Ireland's favourite poem over the last century or so and it's called When All the Others Were Away at Mass and I'd just like to thank Cookstown's finest Kevin Kelly who has provided the readings through this podcast and who will be reading this Seamus Heaney poem. Thanks for listening, as always, to the Read All About It podcast.
1: Enjoy the poem, enjoy the song, and until next time, keep reading. When all the others were away at mass, I was all hers as we peeled potatoes. They broke the silence, let fall one by one, like solder weeping off the soldering iron. Cold comfort set between us, things to share, gleaming in a bucket of clean water, and again let fall... Little pleasant splashes From each other's work would bring us to our senses So while the parish priest at her bedside Went hammer and tongs at the prayers for the dying And some were responding and some crying I remembered her head bent towards my head Her breath in mine, our fluent dipping knives Never closer to the whole rest of our lives Bring the
0: And play upon it Marching, here we come Willie calls his Highland bonnet Johnny beats the drum Mary Jane commands the party leads the real feeling in time Yeah. of All-